0: Hi, Foxies. The episode you're trying to listen to is right around the corner, but first we need your help. You may have noticed that there are no ads during The Fox and the Foxhound. We prefer this being ad haters ourselves, but we need your help to keep it that way. If you love this show, please consider signing up as a patron at patreon.com slash The Fox and the Foxhound. We have Patreon tiers starting at just $1 a month. And not only will you get fun extra content and an unedited cut of every episode two days early, you'll be directly responsible for keeping the show going in all of its ad-free glory. Thanks to all of our existing patrons, past patrons, and hopefully future patrons. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Kevin, and we are the Wilsons. I'm reading through the Harry Potter series for the first time. And I'm a devoted Potterhead. We've been married almost a year now and started the show when we were still engaged.
0: Each week, we read a chapter, or sometimes two or three, and discuss our journey through the series. We also pull marriage lessons from each week's text, and Kev makes a prediction about what we can expect from the series in the future.
1: This is a podcast about Harry Potter, but it's also a podcast about love, relationships, community, and the world.
0: If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're glad you decided to join us. Settle in, make some friends through our many social media platforms, and enjoy the ride.
1: If you're already a regular listener, welcome back. We can't do this without you.
0: Fair warning for first time readers of the series as long as you don't read ahead of Kev, you won't encounter spoilers.
1: And a fair warning to all of our listeners we occasionally get really excited about the series and use adult language to express ourselves.
0: We're glad you're here. At the end of the show, you can find out how to interact with us, your gracious hosts, connect with other listeners, and ways you can support the show through our Patreon page. Welcome to the Fox and the Foxhound. It's Order of the Phoenix time!
1: I feel like there should be a cool theme song.
0: You won't believe it, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, what's the band What
1: rhymes with Phoenix? weenus besides weenus
0: um tex-mex kind of (laughs) not really it's sort of a loose rhyme (laughs) what would be the band that would record that like who recorded all those types of songs like who recorded the one in karate kid that's like you're the best around nothing gonna done
1: I don't know. I'm sure we could get Kenny Loggins
0: to do it. Oh, yeah. I hear he's just totally free. He's alive, right?
1: Loggins? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, good. (laughs) That would have
1: been awkward. (laughs) I think You're the Best was by Joe Esposito.
0: Joe Esposito. Yes. You know, certainly not a one-hit wonder. Joe Esposito. Household name, that guy. So before we start Order of the Phoenix... And talk about the chapters that we're discussing and do our little reading. We have a couple of exciting season five new things. Sweet. Sweet. Number one, probably the most exciting, Discord. We're on Discord now. We have a Discord server. I don't know all the terminology.
1: We are Discordant.
0: We are Discordant. We are Discorders. We have the FFH Mischief Center is our Discord server. Open to all. However, our patrons do have access to special patrons-only channels. What
1: kind of seedy shit goes down in there?
0: Holy moly. Well, one of them is called No Kevin Wilson's Allowed, and that's where spoilers are allowed to be discussed, but you're not allowed to see them. I think I've literally actually banned you from the channel in Discord if I did it right. Oh, that hurts. <laughs> it's the only one you're banned from. But so far, we opened up the Discord to our patrons first, and uh, we launched that... Friday. And so far, we've had so much fun already just being able to chat with everybody. It's cool seeing people that we've interacted with interacting with each other. Yeah. That's been a really, really cool Because thing.
1: almost like in our heads, we feel like they all live together and they all right. know each other.
0: They're our commune, but that is not the case no.
1: <laughs> at all. So
0: seeing everyone talk to each other is really cool, but it is open to everyone, not just our patrons. So If you're familiar with Discord, you probably know that all you need is an invite link. And so you'll find that on our website. There's a button right on the homepage that says join our Discord. There's also a link in our Instagram bio. And there's a link in the pinned posts on Twitter and Facebook. And we'll remind you every week in our credits of that. And if you're not familiar with Discord, create an account and then do the exact same thing and find the link and you can join it.
1: It's uh a... if anyone is familiar with Slack, it's similar to Slack.
0: Very similar It to is a Slack.
1: messaging app in yes. which there are different channels, which we can create and delete at any time, and the channels have to do with different topics, and you can pop in, and it will show you if there are new messages in a channel, mm-hmm. if you were mentioned by name, that sort of thing.
0: Yes, yes. It's just been a blast so far. So, yay. Speaking of our website, where you can find the button to join Discord, it's a little redesigned. If you haven't been on our website in a while, go check it out.
1: Yeah, you were in the zone yesterday. I was really in the... Really deep.
0: Holy shit, I was in the zone. I mean, it was like I blinked and like four hours went by. Yeah. It, it was my eyes I left really the house stung. for a
1: couple of hours and Dude. came back and you didn't even know whether I had left or I not. I hadn't
0: moved. I did know that you had left. I don't think I knew you were gone for a couple of hours. Yeah. I think I thought you were gone for like 20 minutes. So yeah, I was in the zone. I worked hard. Go check it out. It is still a work in progress because at some point my eyes were going to start bleeding and I had to just stop. But I think the whole experience is just a little bit more simplified and a little bit easier to kind of navigate and, and get to the information that actually matters without anything that doesn't. And that's all I have for announcements. But it's really exciting. I'm excited about all of it. We're covering two chapters today. The very first two chapters of Order of the Phoenix, as much as I wanted you to read chapter three, you were a very good boy and you didn't. I have no patience. I love chapter three. Chapter one, Dudley demented. And chapter two, a peck of owls. And honey bunny, you're reading first.
1: The hottest day of the summer so far was drawing to a close and a drowsy silence lay over the large square houses of Privet Drive. Cars that were usually gleaming stood dusty in their drives and lawns that were once emerald green lay parched and yellowing. The use of hose pipes had been banned due to drought. Deprived of their usual car washing and lawn mowing pursuits, the inhabitants of Privet Drive had retreated into the shade of their cool houses, windows thrown wide in the hope of tempting in a non-existent breeze. The only person left outdoors was a teenage boy who was lying flat on his back in a flower bed outside number four.
0: Who was that howler from? Don't ask questions, Aunt Petunia snapped. Are you in touch with wizards? I told you to get to bed. What did it mean? Remember the last what? Go to bed. How come you heard your aunt? Now go up to bed. That's how it ends. Lots of rapid fire dialogue yeah. at the end of chapter two. <laughs> Lots of rapid fire everything during chapter two. But we're not at chapter two yet. Chapter one, deadly Demented. We really have a, a brand new Harry. I don't know how how long it took you to notice that.
1: Teenage Harry. (laughs)
0: Teenage Harry. Angsty Harry. Let's just get the, the elephant out of the room. Yes, this is Caps Lock Harry. This is the book of Caps Lock Harry. I think he has plenty of reason to be that way. There's a lot of description of the heat. I thought that was really appropriate considering how hot it is where we are right now. Yeah. That, like, oppressive, like nothing the air is not moving there is no breeze it's just this still stifling like armpit weather
1: and we don't have the term hose pipe in the u.s
0: we do not but it's pretty funny
2: yeah
0: (laughs) hose pipe we just
1: call it a hose we don't let them hose (laughs) no not h-o-e-s h-o-s-e so she did something i said she would never do again what? Took us back to Privet Drive. Yep. To the Dursleys. Yep. I said, I don't think we'll ever go back there. I don't think we'll ever start a book there again. And mm-hmm. here we are. Here
0: we are. So were you surprised? Were you disappointed? Like, what, what was that for you?
1: No, I was a little bum because I'm like, oh, God, seriously, we're going to have to go through a whole nother boring ass Dursley comedy of errors thing. But it turned out to be pretty cool and very <laughs> telling about where we are. Harry has been, you know, sent back to live with his aunt and uncle. And he's waiting for the shit to hit the fan. Yeah. He's checking the Daily Prophet every single day. Owls are bringing it to him. He's also checking the regular Muggle news every single day. Yeah. Because he just knows, okay, Lord Voldemort's back. Now what?
0: Right. And he hasn't heard anything. Nothing. It's weird. So then he starts wondering, like, but why hasn't he heard anything, right? How familiar is this feeling? like with checking the news right now, it's like you're obsessed with it. You can't help yourself. But you also do it with this like, oh, I don't want to look. I know. You know? So that was super relatable, I thought. And he's tried sort of like watching the news with the Dursleys like a normal person, but the Dursleys are so not normal that they've essentially cut off every way that he can just like sit and watch the news. So that's why he's like laying in the flower bed because he's like, well, I'll hear it through the open window. It's just this poor kid. All he wants to do is know about the news. And we have a lot of like Harry's internal stuff right from the jump. Yeah. I mean, it's just like you were saying. Surely they would lead with something if it was bad enough. And so, you know, he has that kind of running thing. Well, it's like, well, it wasn't at the top of the news. So I guess everything's fine. But then again, why hasn't anything happened? And He's just really,
1: it's like ticker tape, I feel like, in his head. He's also super pissed because he hasn't received his burrow invite. Right. And by this point, the Weasleys should have sent for Harry. Exactly. You know, that's what they do. Oh, it's okay, Harry. We'll send for you and you come spend half the summer with us. Nothing. Nothing. And then he hears from his friends and he's like, oh, I bet they're having a great time. Right. I'm glad that Hermione and Ron are just chilling at the burrow having the summer of their lives. Right. He's so mad that he throws away the gift that they sent him.
0: Oh, my God. And then regrets it later. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely (laughs) one of my favorite phrases. He's feeling some type of way about this right now.
1: Yeah. So there's also this thing going on where he had so much excitement in his life. The whole Voldemort thing and Cedric right. dying and, you know, even the good excitement of living at Hogwarts and all this stuff. And now he's back yeah, in this super plain, dreary, muggle world. And it made me think about the uh, Ken Burns World War II documentary. Yeah. The very, very last scene of that documentary is an old World War II vet. And he's I'm paraphrasing here, but he says something to the effect of... As horrible as the war was, nothing will ever be that exciting again.
0: Wow.
1: And it makes you think about how, you know, people who go to war and stuff like that, they are, their brains are so bombarded with adrenaline and fight or flight and all this stuff. Yeah. That some people come back and they have a hard time feeling excitement and things anymore because they've been through so much. His poor brain is just, like, he doesn't do anything. He just right. walks around his neighborhood. They're a little bit, like, looser on him now yeah. because they're afraid of him mm-hmm. with good reason. And so he can do whatever he wants. And all he does is just walk around yeah. the neighborhood.
0: Thinks angsty thoughts.
1: Yeah. yeah, just pissed. This is like me as a teenager, just <laughs> walking around the neighborhood all mad.
0: That's a really good point, though. I had not thought about how still, and I mean, almost for lack of a better word, boring, this has to feel for him because it's so easy to just see it as this binary thing. Like, yes, he had all this excitement, but it was all very negative and it was all very bad. And so surely there's no part of him that would miss that whatsoever. But that's not the way human beings work.
1: Yeah. And he is somebody. He's a very important person. And now he goes back to this place where he's just... The unwanted guest in this boring yeah. muggle neighborhood.
0: Well, and I'm so glad you brought this up because I hadn't seen that before. But now that you've put that perspective on it, a lot of his statements about, like, he he doesn't – he calls to this lack of credit a lot. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, oh – I'm sorry. Is no one going to give me credit for fighting off two Dementors? Is no one going to give me credit for fighting Lord Voldemort? Like, there's the, and I think that can be perceived as just like dickish on his part.
1: I'm but the one I that like told that. you the yes. Dark Lord had returned. Y'all wouldn't even know that if it wasn't for me.
0: I really like that perspective of like that being really tied to this sort of like, he feels so isolated that he's probably really craving who he is in the wizarding world. Don't you know who I am? You know,
1: (laughs) you know, another similar feeling to this. And I've experienced this a lot.
0: Yeah.
1: uh, And especially when I was living by myself before we met and I was living in my own apartment. So after a show would finish when we were doing plays, generally I'd get out of the show and I would go home, but I'd stop at the grocery store on the way home to make some food. Well, you go and do a play And there's all these people here. And it's so exciting. And your nerves are just in a bundle before the play. And then you go through the adrenaline-filled ride of being on stage. And then afterwards, there's so much attention. And people are like, oh, great job. Oh, I saw the play. And you get to talk to people. And you're celebrating with the cast and all of this stuff. And then 20 minutes later, you're in the grocery store. Yeah. And the Muzak's playing, Mm -hmm. and it's 11 o'clock at night on a Thursday, and no one's in there. And you're just walking around in the quiet back into the normal world. And there's something almost heartbreaking about leaving that world of excitement and going back to Privet Drive.
0: Let me tell you something, man that I married. You do know how to weave a narrative. (laughs)
1: Spin a yarn because you're, more like No,
0: it. it's not spinning a yarn. I know that feeling. And you absolutely hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. My God, you're just so good. Harry does get a little bit of excitement because he hears this loud crack. And he's instantly, he's got his wand out. And I wrote in my notes, hypervigilance, which is a DSM term. For one of the symptoms of PTSD, is just this hyper vigilance, always scanning the horizon for danger, immediately jumping into action. I'm acting it out. As Constant, as it vigilance.
1: It. Constant
0: vigilance. Constant vigilance. <laughs> yes, but it's definitely a PTSD symptom. I'm just, I'm just going to leave that there. I'm just going to leave that little nugget there.
1: This made me think about how you told me that your parents were in their house one day and heard this insanely loud <sighs> crack like shotgun boom yes. in their living room yes. and there was nothing there. Right. There they, was no like electrical spark, no one had shot a never. gun, there nope. was nothing that was broken. And
0: listeners, if you're waiting for me to go, "Oh yeah, and then they found out that it was this." No, we have no answer. There Somebody is no was explanation, either apparating
1: or disapparating. It
0: is my biggest piece of evidence that magic is real. Hands down. <laughs>
1: but, you know, So the other teenage wasteland that lives in this house, (laughs) Dudley, Dudley has shed some pounds and has become a boxer now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Stick and move, stick and move. The one and the two. That's what you want to have happen
0: with a privileged brat is that they then also get the brawn behind that attitude. Like, what a nightmare. My God.
1: So... Harry basically is, he's laying in the flower bed. He's listening to the news. This bang goes off. Mm -hmm. The Dursleys look out the window. Harry pops up. And of course, the first thing they see is Harry. And they're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, did you make this loud crack? Whatever. Right. And he's like, screw you guys. You can't tell me what to do. You're
0: not my mom. That's not what he says. He has, don't you dare disrespect sassy harry sassy harry really begins in order of the phoenix with the line after vernon says something about the news what do you need with the news you watched it yesterday or whatever he says and Harry he goes we well, see it changes every day
1: yeah ass.
0: <laughs> i love sassy harry so much
1: and so harry does his thing he's gonna go walk the beat yeah. and he has a little route that he walks And as he's walking around, he sees Dudley and his gang. Mm -hmm. Now, Dudley's parents think that, you know, the sun (sighs) shines out of his ass. Yes. But he really, what he's been doing is going around and kicking the shit out of smaller kids. Him and his gang have been bullying people and, you know, committing petty larcenies and throwing rocks at cars and this type of crap. Gross. And he sees them when he's out. And... My first gut reaction was, oh, God, Harry, freaking hide. Don't let them see you. They're going to gang up on you. And he's like, I wish they would see me. Oh. He's almost goes, um.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
1: Because, like, I wish they would. He's got his wand in his waistband, and he's ready to cap somebody.
0: He's so angry just at the injustice of it all, which is a direct line from the text. He's so angry- about being excluded he's so isolated and it's just such rage living inside of him that all he wants to do is have an outlet because the emotion yeah. is so intense he just wants to let it out and he doesn't give a shit about dudley or his friends or what happens no, to he them he wants to kick somebody's ass absolutely he wants to kick somebody's ass and i'm sorry who could blame him i would want to kick somebody's ass too i will be harry's fiercest defender in this book
1: i really will So we need to talk about something. Oh, God. What? Dudley's new nickname. (laughs) Big D. Big D.
0: (laughs) I knew this was coming. I knew it. I knew it. I gave myself a little chuckle when I was reading, and I was like.
1: Big D. Oh, this is going to come up. Yeah. So Harry's walking around town looking for a Big D. There
0: are fan fictions about that very thing, I'm sure. Oh God. Um, he's looking for a big deal. there's there's just there's no there's no way this is not going to be
1: funny every single time it's written. Do you remember when we went to LeakyCon and we were in the hotel in Dallas? Hey, are you about to talk about your big D? Because that's <laughs> not appropriate. <laughs> Speaking of big D's, remember that hotel room we stayed at in Dallas? <laughs> no, in the little corridor where you walked to the elevator, there was this whole history of Dallas. Yeah, And they kept referring to Dallas as the big D. I know. <laughs> you can't just call shit the big D. Because there's only one thing I think about. A big D. <laughs>
0: God, we are children. We giggled every single time. Uh,
2: uh, LOL. Every
0: time we walked past
1: it, it was like, welcome to the Big D.
0: You know, we were Beavis and Butthead.
1: Yeah, we were. (laughs) Big D.
0: (laughs) I guess I'm Butthead in this scenario.
1: So where we really start to get our feelings of the new Harry. Yeah. Is when he catches Duds, and Duds doesn't have his... Gang around him, the little D's, as I call them. <laughs> it's just Big D walking solo. And Harry starts messing with him like he knows this kid won't mess with me. Exactly. Now, physically, Big D can kick HP's ass. Absolutely. He's a big dude. He's a boxer. But Harry knows, like, I have magic, dude. Mm-hmm. I'll kill you. Mm-hmm. You know that. You're afraid of me. Mm-hmm. And so he starts antagonizing him. Yeah. And in my. U.S. version. It's on page 14. He's just like, I can't believe the stuff that he's saying to him. Right. And Dudley's like, you're not allowed to do magic on me. You'll get expelled from that freak school you go to. How do you know they haven't changed the rules, Big D? They haven't, said Dudley, though he didn't sound completely convinced. You haven't got the guts to take me on without that thing, have you, Dudley Snarled? Whereas you just need four mates behind you before you can beat up a 10-year-old. You know that boxing title you keep banging on about? How old was your opponent? Seven? Eight? He's, like, really messing with Dudley right now.
0: He's almost, this is the first time we see Harry almost on the, the border of being a bully.
1: He's, like, Diddykins. Uh-huh. Calling him all these names that his parents called him when he was little and stuff. Yeah.
0: And listen, I'm not saying, like, you know, Dudley totally deserves all of this, in my opinion. Especially if he's beating up children. Like, that's a problem. But Harry's very aggressive in this. And something just popped into my head. I feel like there is something in this behavior that speaks to the desperate urge to feel power over something when you either currently do or have felt extremely powerless.
1: But here's the thing. They're both the same. Harry and Dudley have never had as much in common as they do at this moment. That's
0: so true. They both
1: are powerless people mm-hmm. who need to feel power. And like you said before we started recording, hurt people, hurt people. Hurt
0: people, hurt people.
1: Now, Dudley flips the script on HP. Yes, he does. And he's like, oh, really? What about your little dreams, cry baby boy? Oh, did somebody kill Cedric? Oh, mommy, daddy, save me. And Harry's mm-hmm. like, wait, what? He's yeah. like, yeah. In your sleep at night, moaning, crying, talking about all this stuff. Like, you're a chump. This really gets to Harry. Oh because that's a part of his life that he didn't really think anybody knew about. Exactly. So he jacks Dudley up. Totally up. We've talked about the phrase jacking somebody up on the show.
0: Not to be confused with jaw jacking. Or
1: jacking someone's jaw. Or jacking the big D.
0: Or jacking the big D. Although technically Harry Potter is jacking 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 the, the
1: big D. Oh my! We cannot name this episode Harry Jacks <laughs> the Big D. We can't. No, I think we're going to get a, a really unintended we'll audience. Lose Patreon subscribers. Yes, it's
0: not going to be pretty. Oh my god! And we do get our very first caps lock moment from Harry, which I will, I will not lie, I did not realize happened quite so early in this book. Yeah, he's got him against the wall, and he's basically like he's got the wand to his either his throat or his heart. I can't remember. And they're just kind of screaming at each other. And it seems like, as a reader, you're like, oh, shit. What is Harry about to do? Is he going to accidentally do something with this rage? Like, we know rageful Harry is not a good thing.
1: Because the magic
0: just gets out of yeah. control. And he's powerful
1: enough. He can really hurt someone or kill someone Absolutely. with
0: his magic. He's, like, 11 in Stranger Things. You know, and she goes into that trance. And, like, she's bleeding out of every orifice in her face. And yeah. she's like, ah! <gasps> closing the gap to the the upside down god i love that show anyway
1: there's a little piece of writing here that i really love for okay. some reason Ooh, and tell so me i just wanted to talk about it yeah so this is harry's got big d jacked up against the wall he's basically holding a wand to his neck and he's like please don't and he's like i'll freaking kill you and there's this whole exchange everything goes dark yeah it's like when you lose power like the street lights go out mm-hmm. even the sky gets dark And there's a little piece of writing that I really love here. Okay. For a split second, Harry thought he had done magic without meaning to, despite the fact that he had been resisting as hard as he could. Then his reason caught up with his senses. He didn't have the power to turn off the stars. Oh. That's so beautiful in some like crazy metaphorical way.
0: Well, and I think it's also really great writing to describe something that I think is really hard to put into words, which is the the split-second series of thoughts that can happen when something really unexpected happens around you. You know, it's like, I think most of the time we are not even necessarily aware of what our split-second thought process is. So it's kind of cool to see it written out as, like, he goes, his first instinct, oh, I must have accidentally done that. Hang on, I can't control the weather. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's kind of, a, I don't know, it's just a really interesting inner dialogue there all is not well and harry james potter cannot turn off the stars and it has not gone dark because of his rage it has gone dark because there are dementors in little whinging
1: nbd is that how you say that whinging
0: yes little whinging what the f are dementors doing in little whinging?
1: I think they're looking for Harry. Okay. But clearly that's what's going on. He starts to feel him and he's like, Dudley, shut up. Shut up, dude. Shut up. Be quiet for a second. I kind of know like what this could be. Yeah. And Dudley finds his opportunity and just like throws a left into Harry's temple and knocks his ass almost out. Knocks him down and he runs off and Harry's like, dude, you're running towards them. Right. He's screaming at Dudley.
0: Frickin Dudley. I mean, who can blame him? He, he legitimately thinks Harry is doing all of this and he has no reason not to. But yeah, he, he punches him. Harry drops his wand, which leads us to another little interesting tidbit.
1: Yeah, I have this in my notes also. Yes.
0: The first mention of wandless magic in this book.
1: He said the spell automatically, desperate for light to help him in his search. He's trying to do Lumos, Mm -hmm. right? But his wand is not in his hand. His wand has been knocked out of his hand. Yeah. And to his disbelieving relief, light flared inches from his right hand. The wand tip had ignited. Harry snatched it up, scrambled to his feet, and turned around.
0: Very interesting.
1: Yeah. I think this is super important. This is showing how powerful Harry is. Right. I mean, we've seen wandless magic with Dobby.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And we sort of presume it with Dumbledore. Okay. Even though he uses his wand for most things. Right, right. But we're kind of led to believe that he's not married to the wand.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that up until this point, we're led to believe that at least for humans, you really have to have a wand in your hand. Now, the only example we've had of wandless magic which presumably the wand was still like on his person was lupin with the flames on the train where he like made the flames in his hand yeah that was like the very first mention of wandless magic Mm -hmm. but even that was different than this because this is like harry literally doesn't have his wand even on him because i think that with lupin you're almost assuming like oh well it's in his pocket and so the conduit for magic is still it's close touching him and close enough so this is this is just kind of interesting yeah
1: because I've got wand hand in my pocket. No, no, no. That's awful.
0: No. I also, like, hate that you're so good at that. So. <sighs> the
1: Dementors are here. Yeah.
0: Freaking Dementors in the and window. And
1: Dudley's running straight towards one.
0: He is. And there are two of them.
1: There's two. And so there's one going after Dudley as Dudley's disappeared into the darkness. Harry grabs his wand and he goes to fight this Dementor. And it's super interesting because he can't summon his Patronus. Yeah. He's so miserable at this point in his life. It says he can't even think happy thoughts. Exactly. He doesn't even have any happy thoughts.
0: And whereas he used to hear his mother scream in his head when a Dementor was nearby, now he's hearing Voldemort in
1: that graveyard. Yeah. Oh, it's (sighs) so creepy. Wow. He finally, after like two or three attempts to summon his Patronus and only getting just like... A little squirt of silver coming out. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm big D's and squirt Big of D's and just, wands, yeah. Wow. Uh, but he thinks of Ron and Hermione. Yeah. And that's enough to summon his Patronus.
0: Which, like, aw. That it's is so precious. heartbreaking. It's oh the God. same
1: motivation for him to swim down with the McGillicuddies or whatever they're called. What? What? One of what? those things called Grindelow's.
0: Oh, my God. McGillicuddies. I... Did not know what you were talking about for a second. So he find he conjures the, the stag Patronus. Yeah. This is so cool, too, because we finally get this description of the stag as like almost it's somewhat sentient being, right? An entity. It's an entity. It's not just this like he conjured the stag at the end of book three, but it was like, eh, you know, this is like cantering, galloping, following his commands. It's so freaking cool.
1: Oh. yeah, because he gets the first dementor out of there,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: when he goes back to Dudley and sees that Dudley's being attacked by a dementor, and he's about to do the kiss of death on Dudley and suck right. his soul out, and all this, right? He tells the stag like, "Yo, come back, get him." Yes. He, like talks to it, yeah, and I it, just it so cool. knocks the second dementor back into the sky.
0: Like it, like picks it up with its antlers. It's just so freaking powerful. I
1: love and it. Now Dudley's in really bad shape. He's trying to yeah. get Dudley up. Dudley is shook.
0: Dudley's not doing well. And we see a familiar face. Old Figgy.
1: Mrs. Fig. Mrs. Fig. Which we got a little piece of this Mrs. Fig information at the end of the last book. We're yes. like, oh wait, she's actually a magical person. Yeah.
0: Cause Dumbledore says Go get Arabella Fig to I don't know if it was Sirius Black that he he gives that kind of instruction to. Um, I, I do realize when I was reading this, I was like, oh, man, I probably shouldn't have pointed that out to you at the end of the last book. I should have let you just be surprised by Mrs. Fig. Yeah. I admittedly had completely forgotten that this is its own reveal and was just kind of assuming that like. You're supposed to know that from Dumbledore's mention at the end of book four. So I apologize. That was my accidental stealing of that reveal
1: from you. Well, I think I would have dug for that reveal anyway, because I think Mm. I would have got here and said, wait, who's Mrs. Fig again? Yeah. And you'd be like, remember the neighbor? Yeah. House smells like cabbage. Yeah. Yeah. But we got Mrs. Fig and she
0: just says at the end of this chapter, keep your wand out. Like, don't, don't. Put away. What if they come back?
1: I'm going to kill Mundungus I'm gonna Fletcher. I'm going to kill
0: Mundungus Fletcher. Love Mundungus Fletcher. It's confession time. I love Mundungus Fletcher. <laughs> I think he's hilarious. And that's chapter one. That's Dudley Demented. I will say Order of the Phoenix starts off quick. Very quick. Very, very quick.
1: And that leads us to chapter two, A Peck of Owls, peck or as is. I like to call it, a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. <laughs> Which would have been. Oh, I love you. A bushel and a peck. A the, bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. Why are you doing that in a British accent? That's like, And why am I doing my hand like a little newsy boy? I don't know. That's what I'm thinking of. I think I'm thinking of the kid from Sweeney Todd that's like. Try Pirelli's magical elixir. Yes, it does the trick, sir.
0: Yeah, that's a totally different musical. Yeah. I love you. A bushel and a peck. That's from um, Guys and Dolls, I think.
1: Is it? I
0: think it's from Guys and Dolls. You Doris. are so learned. Oh, why, thank you. <laughs> oh, yes. <gasps> and that brings us to the Neil Simon play that is chapter two, A Peck of
1: Owls. A Gregory Peck of Owls. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> This, I think there's so much, like... Probably intentional humor in this chapter, too. Like, just with the fact that it's just one. There are five owls total that fly through the house. I counted them. It's a lot.
1: I have all the owls written down. As do I. Look at us. So we get some really good information from Bring Me Some Figgy Pudding. Yes. That lives a couple houses down. The legend. So Mundungus has been tasked with following and watching Harry and protecting him. Yes. Per Dumbledore's request. Good idea, because the Dark Lord has returned. Absolutely. And there was a cat that ran out from underneath the car when he heard the loud crack, and that's Mr. Tibbles. Mr. Tibbles. (laughs) I love it when cats have Mr. or Mrs. in their name.
0: Oh, it makes me so happy. We do learn that Figgy mrs fig is a squib and the only mention thus far we've had of a squib in my memory is with filch i think way back in book two
1: does that mean that they are magical people but they can't do magic or they're not fully magic or what
0: it's kind of like when you think about a muggle-born wizard like hermione where she has non-magic parents and then she can do magic. A squib is like the opposite. So you have so both magic parents and you can't do magic.
1: Isn't a squib also what they use in movies when it they want to make it look like someone got shot?
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's called a squib. Weird. I never connected those two things. Not that there's any connection. I just never realized they were the same word.
1: Now, we've got big trouble here. Because yeah. Harry, who is also underage, has used magic in front of muggles, in the muggle world, and he's underage. He's broken a few rules here.
0: It's not good. And this is kind of one of the reasons why Mrs. Fig is sort of freaking out. As they go back to number four, like, she's kind of muttering all this stuff. She's like, first of all, Dumbledore's about to be pissed. Secondly, the Ministry surely already knows that you did this. You need to be back in the house, and you need to also keep your wand out because, hey, in case you— forgot already, I'm a squib. I can't help us if the Dementors come back. And Fungus Among
1: Us <laughs> has gone to buy a bunch of stolen cauldrons or something that like that. That fell off the back of a broom. And she's like, of course. As yeah. soon as this dude steps away, the freaking Dementors come.
0: I know, Mundungus Fletcher, not the most reliable chap. And, and Mrs. Fig can't do anything. She just, can't do magic.
1: I just taught you kind of a hippie drug term. What? Which is, if there are mushrooms... Psilocybic mushrooms available at a festival or something one would say there's fungus among us
0: um that's also a very early incubus album really yes fungus
1: among us look it up (laughs) (laughs) talking about a band that just completely i just missed incubus i really liked
0: them they They never were on my radar
1: they What I my story of Incubus is
0: that I loved them. I thought they were great. And then they just started being terrible.
1: What was the song that was really popular? I mean, that was like on the radio that I would know.
0: Pardon me was like the very first. Pardon me while I burst into flames. You know that song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They started out a little bit like the fray. Kind no. Of. And then they turned into like new metal or something, right?
0: No, oh, no. Wak-a-gak-a. No, no, no. Get down with the sickness. They're not disturbed. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's the band that
1: does that. It song. is. I saw them at Ozfest. Ugh.
0: Um, no, they were, because I never, uh uh-uh. uh. No, they actually, it was kind of almost the opposite. They started out a lot grungier and a lot more like punk rock. And then they ended up going really commercial. Oh. Yeah. Anywho, I will also tell you that like middle school, early high school age, Amanda, like 13 year old Amanda was pretty sure that Brandon Boyd, the lead singer singer of Incubus was the most perfect man on the planet. He might still be. I mean, maybe, but eh, I don't know.
1: I was very into him. So Harry takes the big D home. And of course, the parents open the door. And the D is having a hard time staying up. <laughs> How dare you, sir? So they open the door and their flaccid son is standing there. <laughs> and of course, they freak out. They what did you do freak to him? out. What did you do to him? Yes. Did Harry do this to you? And he's like, yes, it was him. Yeah. Because Harry's like, okay, here's your kid. I'm going up to my room. Starts to walk up the stairs. And he's like, no. Uh-huh. What did you do to my kid? <laughs> yeah. The boxer with the penis nickname. (laughs) And in the middle of this fray, we get owl number one. Owl number one. A screech owl. Yes, from Mafalda Hopkirk. Every time I hear screech owl, I think of screech from Saved by the Bell. (laughs) Two buildings and one building and one's balding. (laughs) Like, if that was the call of the screech owl, like, instead of,
0: it just... With Screech's voice, Listeners, I would kill myself. If we
1: have any Save by the Bell fans listening to this show, and you guys would like to start a Save by the Bell channel in Discord, um, please let us know. Okay, if you start a Save by the Bell channel, I'm
0: starting a Hamilton channel. <laughs> Just FYI. And this letter essentially says you've been expelled. Ministry of Magic officials will be there shortly to destroy your wand, and you'll have a hearing on August twelfth. Hoping you are well, Maffelda Hopkirk.
1: A hearing. A hearing. Now, I have a little note here because I had to go to a hearing my own self. What? What? Yes.
0: Why? Because
1: of my own, it was a disciplinary action when I was around Harry's age. Excuse me? So, we were at the National Theater Conference in Lincoln, Nebraska. And my drama teacher and some of us who were in this play, we got the chance to do like a little piece of our play
2: mm-hmm.
1: at this theater conference. And it's really weird because it was on the campus of the university of Nebraska and Lincoln. And you stayed in dorms mm. with each other because it was the, a time when school was not in like summertime. Right. So you know? Right. Yeah. And there were all of these like rules kind of like when you're at the festival, you have to answer to Not just your teacher, but all of the teachers, all the administrators, the faculty. I mean, these are thousands and thousands of teenagers.
0: Oh, God. Descended
1: upon this college for this thing. It was a blast.
0: (laughs) Sounds debaucherous. But we were in
1: one of the workshops, and I admittedly was being very rude. In Uh the middle of a workshop, I kept talking to my girlfriend, whose name was Amanda, by the way. Uh Uh-huh. I was talking to my girlfriend at the time, and the dude who was leading the conference was like, hey, man. Would you mind not talking while I'm trying to teach you something? I'd appreciate it. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, it won't happen again. (laughs) And then I turn around and I start to say something else. And what I'm doing is, like, I'm trying to make her laugh. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm making jabs and making her and my friends laugh. And the dude finally kind of loses it on me. He's like, look, man, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be in this workshop, you can just get up and leave. And I said, okay, and so I stood up to leave and one of the teachers, not the person teaching the workshop, but a teacher from one of the schools said, not so fast. I'll also have your badge, please. So you're walking around with. <laughs> They'll have your badge for this. <laughs> yeah. Turn over your badge, copo. <laughs> so you have this badge that you wear around your neck that tells what school you're from. And it's got a color code and all this stuff on it. This was before they started microchipping teenagers. (laughs) Okay. And she said, I'll have your badge too, which means, oh God, they take your badge, they turn it in, there's some disciplinary measure that's going.
0: Oh Jesus. Well,
1: my friends who were also punk asses like me started standing up one by one and were like, Yeah, you can have mine too. Oh, Captain, my Captain. They totally, oh, (laughs) Captain, my Captain. They all stood up on their desk almost. And so, like three or four of them, they took off their badges. And they gave their badges to the lady, too. And we're like, we're leaving, too. And we all walked out and we're just like, yeah, fuck them, punk rock, whatever. Oh, boy, did we hear about it. <gasps> we freaking heard about it. So, of course, it makes it to Mrs. McIntyre, God rest her soul, our oh, drama teacher. God. And she didn't die at the first time. <laughs> She didn't die because of this. No. Let's clear. No, we almost died at, at her hand. She was so angry. Because we've totally embarrassed her in our school, and it was not a good move, okay? It's not something that I'm proud of. Yeah. But our punishment was we were not allowed to go to the main stage performance at night, which oh. was in this huge auditorium. The highest level of performing and lights in a production as any high school would put together. Like, for example, one of the main stage productions was Damn Yankees Mm. with a full cast of like 100 kids from the school in Hawaii. Damn. Um, The Diviners. Oh, wow. It was big plays like that. So it was a big deal. You get you put on a suit and a tie. You're required to dress up. You have to like escort them. The boys have to escort the girls there. There's this whole protocol, and it's kind of like, yeah, you get to see these schools do it, but you also get to show how to be a good theater patron from the other side of things. Oh. So we weren't allowed to go to that. We also were not allowed to attend any workshops or do anything. We had to sit in our dorm, and we had a hearing the next morning. And the hearing was to determine if me— Or all of us were going to be put on a plane and sent back to North Carolina in the middle of the festival.
0: This is way overreacting.
1: Oh, my God. You wouldn't believe how seriously they took this thing. That's ridiculous. So what we did was the night before we decided, Okay, we all have this hearing. This has to go well. This must go well. If my mom gets a call that I was behaving so badly in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, Becky would kill you. That I had to be put on a plane and sent home early. Like, there would be hell to pay when I got home. Uh Uh-huh. I'm not sure my mom even knows this story. Oh, my gosh. She's about to. She's hearing it right now. (laughs) Mom, I was wrong. I I shouldn't have done it. She's about to call you and speak through gritted teeth at you. So, for the hearing, it was 7 o'clock in the morning was the hearing. And we had to go to this, like the dean of whatever school, like, their office to this conference table. Are you fucking kidding no. me? So we all put on our suits that we brought for the main stage performance just to show them, hey, we're taking this very seriously. So we go, like, hair done up, nice suits. They almost, like, chuckle when we show up, and we're in full suits. But they are dead serious. And there's, like, five people, and they sit at a conference table, and they're like, okay, This hearing will adjourn in two minutes. Um, This is to determine the disciplinary action taken by the North, the whatever, National Theater Conference, the NTC. You know, here are the rules that you violated, disrespect to an instructor, leaving a workshop, all of this crap. So we're actors. Right. Like, that's why we're there. And so they basically say, you know, they go around and say, is there anything you would like to say? And we all become model kiss-ass students all of a sudden. And we say, I understand that I was disrespectful during the workshop, um, that I shouldn't have back-mouthed the teacher. However, he did say, if you don't want to be in the workshop, you're more than welcome to leave the workshop, which we did. And then the teacher took our badges. So, you know, it's not like we really got— Kicked out of the workshop. Right. The instructor didn't ask for our badge. Another teacher was there that asked for it. And they said, well, why did you guys walk out too? And they said, well, we thought it was handled a little bit unfairly. And so in solidarity with our friend, we also gave our own badges so that we could all be with him here today. And we just, you know, we conducted ourselves very properly. And... They were like, well, here's the thing, is that we're probably going to send you home. You're probably going to be banned from attending the National Theater Conference or the North Carolina Theater Conference for the rest of your life in high school, which was like two more years. And after the hearing, we had to go back to our dorms again and then wait for the results.
0: Oh, for fuck's and sake. And they
1: had to meet. And so they brought—I want to say they brought us, like, a letter or something and basically said, look, we're not sending you home. However, you are required to do something. I can't remember what it was. We had to volunteer outside of a workshop to check badges or something like that. But anyway, this is a very pointless, long-winded story like most of mine are. Ridiculous. But it was a hearing—
0: I was really hoping you were going to say that, like, one of the administrators stood up and just started slow clapping, like, after your your speech of solidarity, this, like, remember the Titans moment. And then they were just like, no, we might still send you home. Meanwhile, I went on a theater trip to London at 17 when I was in high school and, like. Drank alcohol and smoked cigarettes the whole time, and nobody cared. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was no hearing.
0: There was definitely no hearing. <laughs> I didn't do it by myself. A lot of rules like, in the with US. My friends. You know? yeah. A lot of rules over I here. I mean, you know.
1: Wow. So, Harry's going to have a hearing to see if he gets kicked out of the theater conference. <laughs> well, a second owl shows up. Yes. With a letter, and it's from Arthur Weasley. Yes. And I'd like to read this letter.
0: Okay because right before this owl arrives harry's like well shit you know okay so that's it i'm kicked out of school i love that harry just like he always takes everything just at face value he's so earnest well that's it i'm kicked out of school i am sure as shit not having my wand destroyed maybe i should just make a run for it and then owl two arrives and here's the letter
1: it's from arthur weasley it says harry Dumbledore's just arrived at the ministry, and he's trying to sort it all out. Do not leave your aunt and uncle's house. Do not do any more magic. Do not surrender your wand, Arthur Weasley.
0: It's so uncharacteristic of Arthur, too. This is
1: serious. Yeah, he's like, oh, God, here we go.
0: It's very, very bad. So... Vernon is starting to ask all these questions. They're still like, what happened to our son? What did you do to our son? And Harry, I think this is super, super smart of him. He knows that he needs to listen out for these ministry officials that are going to be coming to surrender his wand. He's like, well, great. Arthur just got dead to- and telling me I can't do any more magic. How the F am I supposed to keep them from destroying my wand if I can't leave and I can't do magic? But at least if I can hear them coming. So he just calmly answers all of Vernon's questions. He sits down. He's like, he okay, down. I'm not leaving. I will answer all of your questions and I will do it calmly and I'm not going to be sassy, Harry. I'm right. just going to calmly give you the explanations for this. He
1: was me at the hearing.
0: <laughs> the, yes, exactly. And Harry says,
1: suit. it was Dementors. Yes. And Vernon says, what are Dementors? And Petunia says, they guard the wizard prison Azkaban. Da, 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 da. I
0: need what? to know about your reaction when you read that.
1: I went back and was like, wait, whose line of dialogue was that? Uh-huh. I thought Harry had said it, but it was Aunt Petunia. It was Petunia. She just blurts it out and then kind of does that thing with, like, when you put your hand over your mouth, like, oh. I can't believe I just said that. Did I just say that out yeah.
0: loud? Yeah. Which and happens to me a lot.
1: She claims she heard it from Harry's parents. Mm-hmm. Overheard them talking about it years and years and you years ago. You sound really
0: suspicious of that. You're giving, like, a suspicious face.
1: I don't think she heard it from Harry's parents.
0: Okay. Okay. Her parents. Her parents.
1: <laughs> Heretofore known as herons. So this is a wait. What does Petunia know about the wizarding world? Does she know right. more than she's letting on? Cue owl three. Owl number three. Our friend Mephalda Hopkirk. And again. Vernon says. It's spelled out enough effing owls. <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs> this,
1: I'm like Vernon is me in this moment. I didn't <laughs> know that people use the term effing. I think that back in those days. Yeah.
0: I mean, I think maybe not here.
1: Right. Like, I, I think that enough might be like
0: effing owls, a more established thing in the UK. But like, you know, over here, it's. Yeah, it's a lot more modern that we would say, like, oh, my God, enough with the effing owls. Yeah. But, I mean, I say that all the time.
1: So, the third owl letter says, hey, you're not suspended. Actually, you are suspended, Mm -hmm. but you're not expelled from Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. We're going to decide everything at your hearing in Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: Right. So, hold on to your wand. Don't, like, not plan on coming to school, but, yeah, we'll decide all of it. At your hearing. They continue to talk about Dudley. They don't get very
1: far because owl number four arrives. And at this point, Vernon is losing his mind over the owl. Is this the point at which he starts pulling out tufts of his own mustache? Yeah. I love it. And this one is from Sirius. Mm-hmm. And it just says, don't leave the house again, whatever you do. Yeah. This made me think about Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Of course it did. Where... He stands on the little scale that gives you your fortune in the morning as part of his routine. And it says, don't leave the house today. (laughs) And he does it anyway. And that's how he gets his bike stolen.
0: There you go. Let's talk about Sirius for a second. Because one thing we did not mention in chapter one is that Harry's having some really conflicting feelings about his godfather right now. Because Sirius, along with Ron and Hermione, are writing Harry these vague ass letters they're like well we can't really say anything Dumbledore told us not to tell you I expect we'll be seeing you very soon it's all this like tease like it's it probably would have been better in Harry's mind if they had just literally not written at all like it's terrible and Sirius is telling him to keep his nose clean don't do anything rash and Harry's like well that's rich Sirius Black
1: yeah one of the many people who gives me zero information about what's going on back home or back in the wizarding world. Sirius
0: black is one of the most rash people that Harry knows. He's so rash. He's, you know, the, the joke is that prisoner of Azkaban is serious black, taking an entire book to make a dramatic entrance. Like that is serious black. He's, he's ridiculous. I love him, but he's
1: ridiculous. And Harry's thinking right now, did the ministry lose control of Azkaban and the yeah. Dementors basically left Azkaban and joined Lord Voldemort? This is really the it's first, a really good question.
0: It's a great question. And this is really the first moment that Harry starts thinking, huh? What were those Dementors doing in Little Winging? I don't think
1: they just so happened to be in Little Winging and then just so happened to be in the alley that I was down there looking for me. Oh, light bulb. Yeah. I think it's so funny that Vernon keeps getting Dementors wrong. <laughs> I know. He keeps saying these Demembers. These dissentors or whatever, and I start. I was outside by myself, laughing, thinking about the Decemberists showing up. Oh my god! Instead of Dementors, so they're in the alley, and then they hear the crane wife. <laughs> I love the Decemberists. We're going to catch the wizard boy. <laughs> it's just all echoey, which is exactly how
0: the I'm going to do this. Write a
1: fan fiction. Oh and it's gosh. just going to be the entire Harry Potter series, except all the Dementors are going to be replaced by the Decemberists.
0: <laughs> Please do that. That's what's amazing. what's the guy's name? Colin? I don't. Colin I, Malloy. I, I don't think I've ever known what his name is, but I think that the is the Crane Wave. Solid, solid. That's like gold the only idea.
1: lyric I know. I, I yeah. the
0: Crane Wave. I I uh, know that. still the wanding comes in waves. <laughs> In waves. And then the drums are going. Oh, God, that's I love the Decemberist. (laughs) Harry does bring up Voldemort, wondering if Voldemort is the one who sent them. And this really strange thing happens. There are two kind of incredible passages that are on the same page one right after another oh i wonder
1: if it's the same one that i I bet you
0: it is i bet you it is look at me i'm flipping to the end of the book like it's even it's it's the beginning of the book for me it's on page 35 in the uk edition at least the one that i have and the first one is you know, he's introduced this idea kind of thinking out loud of like, maybe Lord Voldemort sent them. I don't know. And Uncle Vernon's like, ah, but he's gone. That's what that giant guy said that time. He's like, well, he's back. And this, I'm going to read this whole paragraph
1: because I think it's- I hard. have in my notes, <clears throat> read this whole paragraph. Oh my God. Yes.
0: <gasps> we are so in sync.
1: It's, does this start with, it felt very strange? Yes. All right, read it and we shall discuss.
0: Okay. It felt very strange to be standing here in Aunt Petunia's surgically clean kitchen, beside the top of the range fridge and the widescreen television, talking calmly of Lord Voldemort to Uncle Vernon. The arrival of the Dementors in Little Whinging seemed to have breached the great invisible wall that divided the relentlessly non-magical world of Privet Drive and the world beyond. Harry's two lives had somehow become fused, and everything had been turned upside down. The Dursleys were asking for details about the magical world, and Mrs. Fig knew Albus Dumbledore. Dementors were soaring around Little Whinging, and he might never return to Hogwarts. Harry's head throbbed more painfully. Wow.
1: Does that not feel like right effing now? Absolutely. This is our current state yeah. the COVID shutdown, yeah. the horrible news every day, yeah. where the greater outside world has penetrated. Our tiny world.
0: Absolutely.
1: It used to be I could categorize <laughs> things, you know? Maybe that's my privilege speaking. Sure. But I could sort of compartmentalize, not categorize, compartmentalize. And I had my safe little bubble, mm-hmm. which is my home with my wife and my kitties and my Harry Potter books <laughs> and my 5,000 toys. <laughs> and then there is the larger, crazier world. Right. Right and the larger crazier world has come crashing in and permeated every aspect of our lives.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And and it can feel really to me very disconcerting. Like you know when when it's just the right time of day and it's foggy and you can't tell the ground from the sky? Like yeah. that's what it all feels like. You know? Like you can't tell like what's safe What's not say? I, I don't, I don't know. You're
1: waiting for more bad news every day exactly. you wake up like, oh, what's the latest bad news?
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: And it's just bizarre the amount of things that are happening. Like, you know, not only do we have the federal pushback on the Black Lives Matter movement mm-hmm. and this whole Gestapo thing going on and this lunatic, you know, destroying our country. We also have the great division in our country. We also have the completely unmitigated spread of this virus in the U.S. and the conflicting opinions about it. Yeah. We also have the world at large, which is just burning to the ground, it seems like, yeah. with global climate change and all of this stuff. And then recently we had a mayoral candidate in our town who— <sighs> We voted for and were really excited was going to be like the new leader of our city and came within 200 votes. And then come to find out he's not the person we thought he was. And he's in jail now. Exactly. And it was just another one of those things. Like, of course. Of course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. What else? Like.
0: Oh, and we have a hurricane
1: headed our way. Oh, yes. And we are two days away from a hurricane.
0: Yeah. We'll uh, we'll we'll put our hurricane experience on discord. So. There's yeah. a there's a good motivation to join that. But I'll tell yeah. you what,
1: we'll also do some Facebook live stuff. So the hurricane is going to hit us Monday night slash early Tuesday morning.
0: So right as this episode drops.
1: (laughs) The hurricane will have left, I think, by like Tuesday afternoon.
0: Yeah, okay. okay. It will have blown past us. So depending on when you're listening to this, it might all be over. No one's, that's like the most telling thing about 2020, is that living in a coastal city where like our lives typically revolve around hurricane season all summer long, like nobody's even talking about the hurricane, really. No. It's like, oh there's a hurricane? Yeah, whatever. Bring it on 2020, that's fine. please. But On a positive note, you know, that's why I think it's even it's more important now than ever for us to find our Patronus things. You know, what are the things that we're putting into the world that are positive or putting into our own lives that are positive? The other passage that I wanted to read is Aunt Petunia's reaction to the news that Voldemort is back she, and, and I'm not going to read the whole paragraph this time. It's kind of a little bit uh, shorter, the this, this spot that I'm pointing to. She was looking at Harry as she had never looked at him before. And all of a sudden, for the very first time in his life, Harry fully appreciated that Aunt Petunia was his mother's sister. Wow. That's a really, I just think that's so powerful. She She's looking at him, not with like love or, or caring, but she's looking at him and he sees fear.
1: She knows what this means yeah. for Lord Voldemort to be back.
0: Yeah. And I think it's, it's nice to kind of have access to Harry's mind here because I know as a reader, I often forget that even though it seems like Petunia and her sister didn't have a very good relationship, her sister was still murdered.
1: Yeah. Well, it's know? easy to forget that Aunt Petunia is Lily's sister. Absolutely. For me anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But I just think that that's such an interesting moment. And so Petunia's looking at him. Vernon and Dudley are both just like kind of confused. And Vernon's like, okay, so let me get this straight. Lord Voldy is back. Harry's like, yeah. He's
1: like, oh, the guy who killed your parents? The
0: guy who killed your parents. He's like, right. like so callous. Um, he's back. Harry's like, yes, he's back. And he's after you. Yes, he's after me. Okay, get the fuck out of my house. You know, Vernon's like, Leave and don't ever darken this doorstep again.
1: We should have never taken you in to begin with. I don't care about the consequences. Get the hell out of my house. This is really a problem. This is a problem. Because Harry was told not to leave that house.
0: He's got three letters in his hand going, don't leave the
1: house. All Harry has ever wanted was to get out (laughs) of this house. I know. Now he finally has permission to leave the house and he's like, Um, can I actually stay for a while?
0: (laughs) This poor kid. He's got to be so just emotionally confused right now. He
1: really is. Oh, my
0: God. But, you know, before he can be kicked out, owl number
1: five. Cue (laughs) owl number five. Cue owl number five. And we are go with owl number five. (laughs) Owl number five. And we are go. And this one's not for Harry. It's for Petunia. It's for Petunia. And it's a howler.
0: Yes, it is. Tell us about this howler.
1: She says, it's addressed to me, mm-hmm. and she's kind of stunned, and it's, it's velvety. It looks, Harry knows. He's like, oh, like, you're not going to have to read it to me because I know what it is. It's yeah. a howler. And this booming voice comes out, and it says, remember my last petunia. Mm-hmm. What, what, <laughs> what the hell is going on here? I think it might be Lily. Uh-oh. From beyond or something. Wow. Remember my last Petunia. My last, what? My last request? Like. I I know. I know. And Petunia says, Harry stays. Yep. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, kick the boy. No, he's staying. Mm-hmm. It's fine. He's staying. That, that's all there is to it. Yep. She is shitting her pants. She is shook. She is shook. She is straight shook. Is Petunia in touch with wizards? Is she in touch with the wizarding world? Has she been this entire time? Is Aunt Petunia partially magic herself? These are the things that will keep me up tonight.
0: (laughs) Oh, dear. Oh, dear. It's it's definitely I'm glad you stopped after chapter two. As impatient as I am for chapter three, because I absolutely love chapter three. The advance guard. I'm so excited about it. But I'm really glad you stopped after two, because three would have for sure been too much.
1: Yeah, this was 40 pages, these this two chapters. 40
0: pages and a lot of of events and a lot of information and a whole lot of
1: mystery. But boy, Order of the Phoenix, it comes out the gate strong and yes, it's it clipping does. right along. You know, I don't like the slow moving. This I is know. why I didn't want to come back to Privet Drive.
0: Yes, but you know, we didn't get the whole rehashing of who Harry Potter is and what Hogwarts is yeah that is finally bro, abandoned. like if you yeah. haven't
1: read the first four books and you s- decided to start here you're an idiot
0: you're a freaking idiot yeah, yeah exactly well what does Professor Kevlani have up his fortune-telling sleeve? For us, for the first prophecy Surprise, of the it's
1: Phoenix. a big D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. My prophecy is that we are going to find out, and this is not totally, you know, completely out there. I think Petunia made a promise to her sister.
0: Okay, okay.
1: I don't know if it was Petunia, make me a promise. If anything ever happens to my child, you'll take care of him. Or if it's Petunia... Make me a promise that you'll never speak of your knowledge of the wizarding world wow. or something like that. I think Petunia made a promise to her sister, and that evidence is starting to come out now.
0: Are you saying, and you can plead the fifth, but are you saying that you believe for sure the howler came from Lily? No. Okay. That's not what you're saying. No. Okay. Solid prophecy. Hey. I think you know you're really honing your prophecy skills. I think that's what we saw by, you know, doing the prophecy roundup for book four. There were so many like fewer prophecies that were like to be determined. You know, you're you're honing in on like making decisive yes, prophecies, like sticking
1: that. to my guns.
0: I really like it. I think it's really good. What's our uh... Order of the Phoenix begins Hedwig's digital get down whistle or hoot or whatever.
1: Oh, I, I haven't thought about it.
0: Mm. What speaks to your heart?
2: <laughs> is that Mission Impossible?
0: Was that Mission Impossible? I don't know. I think it is. Okay.
1: Or is that James Bond?
0: I have no idea. <laughs> I'm terrible. Our Hedwig's digital get down comes from Amy and Amy sent us an audio file and we love audio questions. So thank you so much, Amy. And the rest of you out there, don't be shy with doing this.
2: Hi, Amanda and Kevin. My name is Amy Sophia Mare. I've been a huge fan of the podcast since I found it on the Wizarding Wireless Collective. I will never be able to imagine Victor Crumb again without the Cookie Monster with a (laughs) Slavic accent. You touched upon this in your Parting of the Ways chapter recap, but I wanted to ask you both about your thoughts on those like Cornelius Fudge who will deny or downplay a crisis for political gain or political self-preservation. Fudge wasn't the Minister of Magic during Lord Voldemort's last reign in the 70s. He only obtained the position because Barty Crouch Sr. had fallen from grace via the scandal of his son. Deep down, I think Fudge knows he isn't someone who can lead a nation facing the threat of Voldemort, So to cling to power, he denies the very existence of the new reality, risking many lives in the process. This makes me think of the North Carolina politician you mentioned who knew what was coming with the coronavirus, and instead of preparing his state, he selfishly dumped all his stock. From the beginning of this coronavirus outbreak, one thing that has really irked me is how politicians and or radical factions on both the right and left have either dismissed the pandemic or weaponized it to further their own agendas. In my own naivete, I wanted to think that we could at the very least set aside certain political battles until peace is restored, because what's the point of having those fights if the world as we know it isn't around by the end of all this? I think it is a testament that not even the severe existential threats of Voldemort or highly contagious diseases can shake the human nature of greed. Thank you for all that you do, loving the podcast, and I wait for each episode religiously. Bye!
1: Ooh, Amy getting deep now. Right, right, right. I wonder if Amy's an actress. She has a voice Mm. that makes me think she might have done some theater or something. She's got an
0: incredible voice, like for for real. And the content
1: was also phenomenal. I think that's a really good point that she brought up. Yeah, That Fudge was not the head of the ministry in the 70s during the whole Voldemort uprising thing. It's a great point. And what she's bringing up about you know, denying that basically something huge exists, like, I don't know, a global pandemic. Right. Just because you want to hold on so hard to political power. Right. It just shows that in the corrupt heart of man, even you will even choose your own gain over life. Over right. living souls.
0: Right. I mean, that is what's so powerful about that. And I also would like to point to the to what Amy said about maybe part of Fudge's denial, specifically in the Harry Potter series, is that he knows he's not he's not the guy to like lead a, a yeah. troubled country. Sound familiar? <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> throat>
1: I can name a few right now.
0: Right. Like he knows It ain't me, babe. Like, uh uh-uh. It ain't me, Me, babe. babe. No, no, no. no. It ain't
1: me. Sorry.
0: Bob Dylan creeped in there. But it ain't me. He would, Amy's completely right. He would have never been minister if it wasn't for the Barty Crouch Sr., Barty Crouch Jr. scandal. Yeah. Because Crouch was being groomed. He was absolutely going to be the next minister of magic. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I'm not even necessarily saying that the wizarding world would for sure be better off with Crouch in power. I don't know. But this bumbling idiot, you know, who just doesn't. I mean, like, I think I feel like he's the type of guy that knows how to schmooze. And that's probably why he got the office. Right. But he doesn't actually know what he's doing. He
1: doesn't know how to be an actual leader.
0: Right. Or an actual decent human being. Now the worlds are really getting blurry. Or just a human being. Or just a human, right? (laughs) Sorry. Who am I talking about? Anyway, here's what I want to remind myself, you, everyone listening of, is something that you said to me a few episodes ago when I was just feeling like there was absolutely no good in the world whatsoever. And you just gave me a really simple reminder which was that you have to then be that. You know, you have to, as, as cliche as that may sound, for me to say this at this moment, mm-hmm. that you have to be the good you want to see in the world. That's a famous saying for a reason. Yeah. Because we, we cannot ultimately control the selfish and, Amy, as you said, human nature of other people. But I do believe we can go back to creating our own bubble of good, kind, energy, whatever you want to call it, that will hopefully influence other people. I think that's all we can
1: do. And we can't let ourselves become that which we oppose.
0: Absolutely. This is
1: Harry turning into Dudley. Yeah. Because he's hurt.
0: This is Crouch Sr. being so, so far in the I'm a good guy. Yeah. Anti-Death Eater movement that his actions and the actions of the Death Eaters were essentially the same, but under a different flag.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, I have very strong opinions politically and globally. I am not going to be unkind to someone. Right. I'm not going to go on social media and call somebody out. I don't engage. As you know, I do not engage in those type of discussions and bashing. And I don't post things that invite trolls onto a thread. I don't do it. And there's room for it. And there's a lot of people that really enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of, you know, people battle back and forth. And some people do have intense discussions. Yeah. Sometimes they turn nasty. Sometimes they remain civil. Yeah. And that's great. Everyone has the right to do what they want. But I also know that. And you know this about me. You know how revved up I can get. Yeah. And so I can't allow myself to get so revved up that I end up becoming the very thing that I claim to hate.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's that's the takeaway. But, I mean, Amy, what a great audio message because I just feel like, I don't know, these are the types of observations that just make me giddy about the series and
1: also amy message us i want to know a if you are an actor yeah because you kind of sound like you might have a theater background and b i want to know what your accent is where (laughs) you're from
0: thank you so much thanks amy what a great first hedwig's digital get down of season five seriously amazing Well, you're up first with our marriage lessons.
1: So my marriage lesson comes from one of my favorite parts in these two chapters, but Ooh. I didn't go deep into it because I knew I wanted to save it for my marriage lessons. Okay, sneaky. You're so sneaky. And this is when Harry's having a really hard time summoning his Patronus mm. because he just, he's so miserable that he can't think of a happy thought. And this goes back to, you know, kind of like how a lot of us are feeling right now. Like everything is so bleak. You can't even muster a happy thought. You can't even muster the courage to be happy and be positive about anything. But the one thing that brings him back around is he thinks about the people he loves. And that brings the stag out of his wand and creates the Patronus. So... Maybe there are not a lot of happy moments in your life right now. Mm. Maybe it's hard for you to even think about the happy times in your life because of how far it is. But the one thing that made it work, he didn't think of a happy memory. Right. Here's the thing. With the Patronus, we've kind of been led to believe, well, think about a happy memory. You know, think about the time that you you know, open some chocolate or the time that you got a new bicycle. No, he just thinks of these two people that he loves. And that's enough to fill his spirit. This is a new level to the Patronus charm and how it works. So my marriage lesson is that may we look at each other when we're having a hard time summoning our Patronus And we can't think of a happy thought because everything in the world looks so bleak. May we look to each other as the thing that will bring our Patronus out. And may both of us together look at the people we love, like our friends and family, and let that fill us with joy and fill us with light. Because (laughs) the whole world can burn to the ground. I'll be damned if I'm not going to celebrate the beautiful amazing individuals that I love and that love me and are in my life. Absolutely. And it's not good for me or for them, for me to get so caught up in the negativity in the world that I forget what life is all about anyway. Right. It's like my mom's always said, life is about relationships. It's not about anything else.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I absolutely love that. And I think when you talk about like, the Patronus is not just a happy memory. I completely agree. I think it's more about thinking of the feeling that you get. Yeah. The bond. It's, it's deeper than it's just... Po- it's
1: almost just like positive energy.
0: Right. It's, it's got to be strong. It's got to be an emotion. You know, it's not just, oh, man... That was a really good movie that I watched the other day. It has
1: to be honest. It has to
0: be honest. It has to
1: come from a pure, honest place.
0: I absolutely love that. You are amazing. You are my Patronus. Well, you're not my Patronus form. That would be really cute, though.
1: Yeah. Expect a Patronum. And I pop out. Oh my God. But I'm like wispy and
0: white. And you're like, You can't do that to my wife. (laughs) Wait a
1: second, evil dementor.
0: (laughs) That's my wife.
1: I don't know why you've got a weird voice as a patronus. So, what is your marriage lesson?
0: My marriage lesson is a moment you brought up actually that I kind of tried to to move us along from, so that we didn't talk about it too much. But it's it's about Harry throwing away the chocolate out of anger, uh, which is not an event that happens in the course of these chapters. It's something that he's recalling happened. Uh, He's so mad at Ron and Hermione that they send him two big slabs of. Duke's chocolate and he just immediately throws them away. And then he regrets it later because Aunt Petunia brings out this like really pitiful salad for dinner. And he's like, damn, I really wish I had that chocolate. So my kind of takeaway from this, it may seem like super obvious at the surface, but I think sometimes at least I need a little bit of concentration to, to avoid doing this It's just about acting rashly. And it's just about acting impulsively, especially if that impulsivity is born from a negative emotional state. Because I think, so like, I can't think of a single example of an action that I would take in anger or sorrow or any anxiety or any other negative emotional state that would. In any way shape or form, be good for me or good for you or good for our friends or our cats or like I, yeah, I don't think it's possible to have value-driven healthy for you behaviors come out of negative emotional states so I mean I think that the way I want to turn this into a marriage lesson is when you're feeling negative emotional states they're inevitable we all feel them that we each Try, and I mean, I I think this is more of a problem for me, try to set a boundary for yourself that you're like, okay, I'm going to feel this, but I'm not going to do anything, right? Yeah. I'm not going to engage in actions, besides like feeding myself You're not going to
1: act from that being your foundation of your action.
0: Exactly. If that is the food of that behavior, I ain't eating it. And I think if I... (laughs) If I just keep that in my head, I really think that I can call that back even when I'm feeling a negative emotional state. It's kind of like when you're working with people who are struggling with addiction, one of the things that's a cognitive behavioral therapy technique is uh, just delaying the response. So when someone's feeling a craving for something, you teach them how to, you, okay, you make a deal with yourself. You really, really want to use this drug. Look at the clock. Tell yourself in 10 minutes, if I still really want to use this drug, then I'll use it. I'm going to give myself permission to do it. I mean, some people go, they clutch their pearls, you know, when you say that. But no, it's like, seriously, give yourself 10 minutes. And if in 10 minutes you still want to use that drug, then go ahead. You don't want to still use the drug in 10 minutes. That's the whole point is that that negative craving state in that case is temporary, but it doesn't feel temporary when you're in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This makes me think about a conversation I was having this morning with Jackie. We were talking about work stress. Mm -hmm. And I was telling her how, you know, I've always kind of had a problem managing how pissed I get and stressed out I get with work and how I've gotten a lot better at managing my work stress and stuff. And a lot of it has come from you, from your guidance. Oh, yay. And I told her, you know, you know... When you get really frustrated with work and you feel overwhelming anxiety or frustration or anger or whatever it is, you know whether it's coming from a practical place or whether it's coming from a deep emotional place. Right. And I'm getting better at recognizing this isn't about that. Yeah. This is deeper than that. This really, there's nothing at my job that should be stirring up this emotion. This is about something else, yeah. and you're projecting this onto your work stress, but it's not accurate. It's right. not what's going on. There's something else bothering you. Let's say you work with someone. They're always in a good mood. Yeah. They're always easy to get along with. Yeah. And then one day, you just ask them something, and they say, I don't know, Amanda, and they slam something down, and you're like, right. what the hell's wrong with her? Right. She found out this morning that her dad's really sick. And you go, oh, I see. It's not about the work. It's about you're bringing this negative thing into and projecting it onto something else.
0: Absolutely. We all do that. And so to put it in kind of even even more practical language, I think if anyone likes to listen to these marriage lessons and, you know, do them yourself – What I would recommend is that the very first step is, like you said, just having the awareness of going, you know, is this surface level frustration or is this speaking to something deeper? Now, don't get me wrong. I think that awareness alone can take some work, you know, just cultivating that awareness. But then once you have that awareness, it's the rest of it's a freaking breeze to know what to do about that.
1: And it's good to be able to recognize it in other people and be compassionate about that.
0: Definitely. Definitely.
1: There are times where this is my own insecurity, but there are times with my job where I feel like someone gives me a reaction to a question I've asked them or something like that. And I feel like, God, this person hates me. God, they hate me. I just know that they hate me. (laughs) And I'm like, "Oh, oh, well, that's fine. Like, that's part of being an adult. Some people like you. Some people don't like you. There's nothing you can do about it. I like them. And that's enough if it's going to be a one-sided relationship. And so, you know, let's, I'm going to make up a metaphorical person, Jeffrey or something. And I say, hey, Jeffrey, you know, do you think that, you know, would you mind like opening this box and letting me know if like the certain shirts are in or something? And Jeffrey messages me back in a curt way. And I think, oh God, Jeffrey hates me. Right. And then on a Friday afternoon, I get a message from Jeffrey and he's like, hey, you asked about how my bird was doing that I bought. <laughs> Here's a picture of my bird. Yeah. And you realize like, oh, this shit that I projected on him yeah. was not him. I was putting
0: all it kinds of meaning me. that yeah, it wasn't was there. there. Yeah. I think that's a really, really accessible example. I think we all do that, especially with nonverbal communication. Like, and I don't mean body language. I mean, like, digital communication. Yeah. You know, we have a tendency to go like, oh, you just said okay. And had I been responding, right. I would have said, okay, great, with an exclamation point. And because you didn't yeah. say it that way, I'm going to put meaning on that okay.
1: And it's just Which, kind of, as you know, literally happened to me a couple of days yeah. ago. Yeah, Like, my boss said something. I commented on it yeah like with zero ill intention at all it was an observation it was just as yeah it was as innocent as me saying like like oh you've almost finished your coke right it was there was no meaning behind it at all and i got a message that was like hey were you saying this out of anger are you upset did you take something that i said the wrong way and like thank god i work at Freaking terrific company where there's a lot of open communication and the people that I work with are very honest. Instead of assuming things, they will check in with you and say, hey, man, is is this what was going on? And I was like, what? No. But it was the first time that I kind of felt like, oh, so not only can I misread things, but I can also put things out into the world that can be misread. Like, shit, none of us are immune to this.
0: Yes. Oh, such a good point. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, to put my marriage lesson, TLDR, cultivate some self-awareness that allows you to recognize when your behaviors, the behavior you want to do is coming from a hot emotion or a negative emotion and try and delay that response because it's probably not going to be a healthy behavior. I like it. Oh, I'm so glad. Your
1: marriage lessons always open up these like Big overwhelming conversations. For it's us. the
0: psychology, man. I'm a nerd about it. I, I know. can't help it. My God. Okay, Marauder shout out time. And since season four concluded, we have gained a new Marauder. A little baby a little wrapped baby. in swaddling
1: clothes. My God. Shipped here from our Kansas.
0: Yes. So now Pete is like the. He's a toddler now. He's the toddler. Yeah. Marauder, because now we have a new baby.
1: We have a newborn. Teeny
0: baby newborn Marauder, who's just so, so wonderful.
1: Who is this new baby? Our
0: new teeny baby Marauder is Michael Terry. It's a boy. It's a boy. Michael
1: rode his boat ashore.
0: Hallelujah. And landed
1: at our podcast.
0: Hallelujah. We're so glad he did. He has, we've gotten the the brilliant opportunity with him becoming a Marauder to exchange some emails back and forth with him. But also he's on the Discord channel. And I feel like in the past couple of days just talking with him and with everyone else on Discord. I feel like I'm already getting to know these wonderful people even so much better. And I'm so grateful for it. And it's amazing. And I'm so
1: happy. Alabama, Arkansas, Arkansas. Michael's a Marauder, y'all. And he's a dog paw. He's a dog paw.
0: He is a dog paw. He's a dog father. Not to be confused with Sirius Black, who is the godfather, but also Sirius Black is also the dogfather because he can literally turn into a dog. Didn't oh, Snoop my. have an
1: album called The Dogfather?
0: I think he did. I think Sirius Black should have had an album called The Dogfather also. So here's my, my question for you about the Marauders this week. We know what it took to get Mundungus Fletcher to abandon his post. It was, it was a load of, of cauldrons that fell off the back of a broom. What would be the thing that would make our marauders abandon their post watching Harry if they found out it was happening? What would make them leave? Okay. All right. So since he is our, our newborn baby infant, let's start with Michael Terry.
1: So I think with Michael, it's going to be that he found out his dog got out of the fence. Oh, and his no. fiance text him and is like, oh, God. what's the dog's name? Buddy. 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 Buddy jumped over the fence. No. And he's Bye. like, Harry, I'm sorry, but I got to go get my boy.
0: Listen, Michael, nobody would blame you. Like, I don't even think Dumbledore would be mad. Yeah, like it's totally fine. Way better than cauldrons falling off of a broom. <sighs> How about Caitlin Dismuke?
1: Oh, she found out about the NBA bubble that they opened up down in Orlando. What is an NBA bubble? <laughs> the NBA is playing in this, quote unquote, bubble. Excuse me? Down in Orlando. Excuse me? It's an arena in a complex where all the players and all the staff stay and they don't leave and they try to keep the COVID down that is weird. by playing all their games down there. But wow. Katie Dizzou was like, even though she mostly likes college basketball, <laughs> she heard about, oh shit, the season has started back. And she's like, screw Harry. I'm going to go down and watch some ball.
0: Oh my God. How about Ben Clark? What
1: would make Ben leave his post? I think that, (laughs) and this is not to speak ill of Ben, I just think Ben likes to have fun. And so I think that he's watching Harry, and then he gets a call from one of his mates that's like, Hey man, we're down here, you know, we're loading up on pints and talking shit about Ben chickens. (laughs) We're throwing french fries to Ben chickens. Ben Clark would never feed a Ben chicken. Never. Because he would never encourage those terrible birds even though we were like they're cute they're not cute no
0: but they are novel to us (laughs) yeah
1: i think ben as good of a guy as he is would leave his post just to go have a pint with his mates (laughs) and
0: and talk shit about the bin chickens yeah Yeah. i mean i think that that that's legit it makes sense absolutely
1: i love it how about dean heath as soon as the panthers start playing again he's out of here he leave harry In the clutches of Lord Voldemort because the season started back. Absolutely. He'd be like, oh, I was going to say Cam
0: Newton, but yeah, he doesn't play for the Panthers anymore, does he? I don't know any of the Panthers
1: players. He would be in Charlotte faster than you can say. Expecto pantherosis. (laughs) Sounds like a disease.
0: Okay, how about Natalia Ward?
1: The warden. The
0: warden.
1: She gets a plane ticket in the mail from us to come visit us. Oh, my God. And so she leaves Harry in the UK.
0: Listen, Natalia, leave his ass. If you get a plane ticket in the mail from us, <laughs> yeah. get your ass come over party. here. Screw yes, exactly. How about Nick Tillman? Nikki Toot Nikki
1: Nicky don't watch nobody. <laughs> you watch Nicky. He doesn't freaking watch you. <laughs> so there is no post for Nick Tillman <laughs> no. to abandon. I think that... <laughs> Nick would abandon his post because Sam needed something.
0: That's the only reason, because you're right. Nicky don't watch nobody, yeah. except for Nicky that don't beautiful play no sh- white. He'd strap hands.
1: his skates on and be like, do, do.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. How about Breanne Brown? Double B? Double B.
1: I think Double B would leave her post... Because she found out there was a new season of the Great British Baking Show.
0: Oh, my God. I would leave the post Because for that.
1: it has British and baking and Brian and Brown, and there's a lot of alliteration.
0: And also because it is an amazing show.
1: Bake, bake. Not to be confused with... Maze. <laughs> oh, Victor. R.I.P.
0: He didn't die? <laughs> what? <laughs> what book did you read? Uh, Jesus. How about Heather Bevels?
1: Fondue.
0: Ooh. Can I come?
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm sure you would be involved in some way. She's like, listen, guys, I really can't go to the Little Dipper with you guys because I'm supposed to watch Harry Potter. Oh, shit. It's half off appetizer night. I'm going. She would be gone.
0: Oh, God, I want Little Dipper right now. How about Kelly Moore?
1: She would leave her post to go to a con. Yeah, I know she. would. Yeah,
0: like a really good con. And I don't know, like, who her dream panelist would be or like her dream, like autograph would be at a con. But whoever that would be, Kelly, let us know who that would be. Who would be signing autographs at a con that would make you leave your post? Is it David Tennant? Maybe. I don't know. I might leave for that, too. Jennifer Ayers. Rocky Mountain High. Every time Colorado. Colorado.
1: Get that lift pass, man. Dangle that lift pass in front of her face. Right, right. It's
0: ski season. She's
1: like, I'm about to hit the lift and I'm about to twist up some sticky icky. Absolutely. Just a true
0: Colorado
1: day. Yes, this is how we imagine trick.
0: every single person Wake in Colorado up, get spends their day. Go skiing. <laughs> you see, international listeners, we don't know anything about our own country either.
1: Okay. Faith Kenfield. Oh, Faith. I feel like Faith wouldn't leave her post. I know. But something has to make her leave her post. Well, it's almost
0: Faith's birthday.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Her birthday is, you know, just a few days from, from when this episode goes live. I don't know if that sways your decision at all.
1: She finds out. That all of the listeners have chipped in and bought her a universal vacation for her birthday. Stop it. And But this is an imaginary non-COVID exactly. world.
0: Yes. We've also made COVID yeah. go away. I don't we want are...
1: Faith walking around the park with a mask on, burning up and sweating no, and all this don't stuff. Don't do
0: that. Don't do that. Also, there's a hurricane like literally there right now and it's coming for us next. So just yeah. Vicki Gutherless and Rick. Vicky and Rick together. What would make them
1: leave their post? I think they would leave if they felt like they needed to fight the good fight. Yeah. If they were called on. Like, let's say they were watching Harry, and then they found out that, like, in the town that they live in... That some corrupt politician had come in <gasps> and messed things up. How dare he? I could see those two being like, sorry, Harry, we got bigger fish to fry. We're justice warriors. I feel like they're freaking warriors, those yes, two.
0: they are.
1: Good. Badass.
0: Oh, my God. Their wedding is, is approaching. Really? Their wedding is approaching. And Michael and his fiance's wedding is approaching as well. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm so excited for all of you.
1: I wonder if Vicky and Rick are getting married and... Devonshire over Duncanburg in the Whispering Willows.
0: Where they're going to play Skittlepins. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Skittlepins, Pete Collins. <laughs> Pete. Pete has been so helpful with our, our British education.
1: <laughs> Pete would leave his post because I ring him on the telly. <laughs> yes. And say, Pete, it's Kev from the States. Turns out I'm in the U.K. Surprise. (laughs) Let's go get shit hammered at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. I, You know,
0: Pete, can you confirm or deny that that would make you leave your post? How about Austin Scroggins?
1: I think Austin would leave for some kind of badass music festival that was going on. South by Southwest, maybe? Something like that. Are you just saying that because that takes place in Austin? That's
0: probably why it came into my head. Maybe yeah. um, Bonnaroo. Is that still a thing? Is Bonnaroo still Burning a Burning Man? Burning Man. Um, what's... Fire Festival? <laughs> I do not think Austin would leave his post for Fire Festival. <laughs> um, what's the one where they wear the... Frickin' flower crowns. Coachella! Coachella! Oh my god, Austin, we're going to Coachella! It's time to go to Coachella. Me and
1: Austin are gonna go to Coachella, and we're gonna wear those flower things on our head. I think that sounds amazing. And we're gonna wear sundresses, and it's gonna be really fucking weird.
0: I think I'm going to document all of that. (laughs) Yes, I will be the documentarian. How about Samantha Tillman?
1: Sammy Tills! Sammy
0: Tills!
1: She just had a match that she didn't want to miss. She had a roller derby match she didn't want to miss.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's like, listen, Dumbledore, I had this on my conflicts and you disregarded it when you scheduled
1: me to watch Harry. So. You know, and I don't see Sam being like, I'm really sorry, Dumbledore. I knew I was going to do this. She'd be like, deal with it. She's like, bitch, I told you You know how she is. She'd be like, no, (laughs) deal with it. I love it. I've got a match. Suck it up, buttercup. Love
0: it. And last, but certainly not least, our manager of mischief,
1: Josh Bailey. Josh would leave because just because you invited him over to have a bourbon on the back porch, he'd be like, oh, well, I mean, Harry's going to be fine. I'll I'll meet you guys over there. It's fine.
2: I know.
0: He totally would. He totally, totally, totally would. Fantastic. What a lovely group of Marauders we have kicking off season five. Our, our patrons are growing. I mean, like, it's still all of our patron levels. Like, we're all such a family. And having Discord now is really just bringing everybody closer. So and, people can meet. Oh, it I just. mean, my,
1: some of my dearest friends in the world, as you know, I met through a podcast. Exactly. I met through Coaster Radio. Oh. And we now have a Slack thing set up, kind of like Discord, Coast Radio also has their own Discord where you can go in and meet listeners. But before they started their Discord thing and before I'd even heard of the app, it started because we were going to their first ever live meetup in 2015 at Cedar Point in Sandusky, Ohio. And Chris Rankin, who's one of my dearest friends in the world.
0: Not the same Chris Rankin who plays Percy Weasley in the movies, by the way. We really need to make that
1: distinction. Right. Different guy. Same name. I didn't know Chris, but Chris posted on the Facebook page and said, hey, if anyone would like to meet up at the park before we actually do this official meetup with the podcast host the next day and stuff, I'd love to meet some fellow listeners. So I went, cool. And I show up at these bleachers, me and Tim, my brother, and there's Brian. Brian. Yeah, can you imagine? Is this oh my crazy god. to think about that there was a time where we didn't know Brian, I or Julie imagine. or Chris and Kim? Oh my god! And
0: they were at our wedding, so we met up you know? and we like, like, okay, how?
1: cool, let's just pal around the rest of the day. And all of a sudden, it's just me, my brother Brian, Chris didn't know each other, and now they are such dear friends. They were at our wedding. Yeah. Tim and Brian ended up starting their own very successful podcast, Civil oh Gore.
0: Brian has joined our Discord server today. Mm-hmm.
1: Matt from Yorkshire. Also, I met him on that yes. same exact trip. Yes. Because he was a listener of a podcast. Let me tell you, some really, really beautiful friendships can bloom oh
0: God. out
1: of podcasts. Because you already have something in common.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You, are, you clearly already have a common interest. So you guys, of all levels, like, get on Discord. Talk to each other, yeah. meet each other.
0: All of you listening, get on Discord, and you know if if you're interested in some of the patron-only channels, we have patron membership starting at one dollar a month.
1: The seedy underbelly. Oh yes, of Discord. Our
0: our, <laughs> our patrons-only channels are the seedy underbelly. I mean, it it, it starts. It gets weird, just so you know, in a really good way. And if you are interested in the Civil Gore podcast, which is Brian, our friend, our dear friend, Brian Wackler, and Kevin's brother, Tim, who's also a dear friend and brother to Kevin and brother in law to me, um, they're both in our Discord as well tim was on there from day one as a patron he he knew yep. about it and and got he on is there really the quick. yellow king is his name king on discord That's is his Indeed. name in most
1: platforms yes and check out their podcast it's Definitely. awesome it's about horror movies yes and it's also really funny it's really funny
0: yes because we've got one from the south and one from new york yeah yeah.
1: so good dulcet tones dulcet my tones. brother has dulcet tones he
0: has the dulcetest of tones Let's roll our credits and then winners and losers and dad joke. Okay. Before we reveal our winners and losers and terrible dad jokes this week, a few reminders. If you love this show and want to help it grow, there are two things you can do. Number one, consider joining one of our membership tiers on Patreon. With monthly donation levels ranging from $1 to $20 a month and benefits like extra content, snail mail from us, on-air shoutouts, and more, it's the most direct way to show your support. Find out more at patreon.com slash foxhound. And thank you to our existing patrons. We could not make this show without you. The other way to help our growth is to subscribe, rate, and review The Fox and the Foxhound wherever you get your podcasts. This will help us by leading more people to the show. If you have a question you'd like featured on the show, send it to us at thefoxandthefoxhound at gmail.com. Audio recordings of your question are welcome as well. Or you can send us a question through Instagram at thefoxandthefoxhound.com. Twitter at Fox and Foxhound, no these, no thys, no thou's, just Fox and Foxhound, Facebook.com slash the Fox and the Foxhound, or our website, thefoxandthefoxhound.com. Just click contact us. Be sure to join our Discord server to chat with us, our patrons, and fellow listeners. You can find the link on our website, in our Instagram bio, and in the pinned posts on Facebook and Twitter. We'd like to say a special thank you to Judson Hurd, who composed the theme for our show. Find out more about him and his music at judsonhurd.com. That's J-U-D-S-O-N-H-U-R-D.com. And finally, a big thank you to our Manager of Mischief, Minister of Magic, and all-around superstar, Josh Bailey. Okay, back to the show. All right. All right, all right. It is our, our first winners and losers of Order of the Phoenix. I'm wicked excited. Who's your
1: winner? Mrs. Fig. <gasps> Hey, mrs fig why because she has thanklessly been keeping an eye on harry this entire time yes and luckily she shows up right when she's needed
0: she is a legend my winner mrs fig nice yes starting out in unity for season five Everything that you just said. But also, I really love Mrs. Fig because she keeps kind of going on about the fact that, like, dude, what did I just tell you? Keep your wand out. I cannot help you.
1: I'm a a squib. (laughs) Like, hello. What part of I'm a squib do you not understand? (sighs) Right.
0: But I love that she knows her limitations and there's no shame. I mean, we don't know if she feels inner shame, but right. she certainly's not expressing any shame about it. She's just yeah. stating it as fact. And yeah. I just think that's so cool. I absolutely love her. She's a legend. Now, who's your loser?
1: Mundungus Fletcher.
0: Damn it. For leaving his post. How dare he? How dare he? My loser? Mundungus
2: Fletcher. Yes. <laughs>
0: This is the first time we've ever had the same winners and losers. Wow.
1: Ben's going to be blown away. Ben's going to be so happy. This was a segment that was invented by Ben Clark.
0: Yes, it was. And I still don't have like a special sound effect for when we both choose the same one. I'm open to suggestions. Like, should it be like a Phoenix call? Should it be like a, a, I don't know. I just. I think it should be
1: the elusive call of the Ben chicken.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like so negative though. Isn't this a good thing? You're gonna eat the rest of that
1: pizza? <laughs> <laughs> oh my. I eat trash all day. Ben chicken.
0: <laughs> oh my god. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but I'm open to suggestions. Just you know, slide into Medea. I think it's funny that,
1: you know, because of my southern accent, I say Bin B-I-N as in a trash bin, like a Ben chicken. Yes. And the name Ben. Are pronounced exactly the same. They really sound. Exactly I think it's the same. like Ben is the name, and Bin. Are you is from Calabasas? But I say ben. 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 ben, honey, it's Ben. It's Ben.
0: Ben. Ben. <laughs> and Bin. Ben. ben. <laughs> No, they're exactly the same. There's just no so we're not saying yeah. Ben chicken. We're saying bin chicken. Right. Not to be confused. In the UK, they have Big Ben. Big Ben.
1: Big Ben. <laughs> Say werewolf. Werewolf. <laughs> werewolf. <laughs> it
0: makes me laugh every time. Okay. I'm ready for dad jokes. I'm very happy
1: with mine. I want to hear yours since you're so proud of it. Okay.
0: Why did the Dementor decide to go on vacation in the southern U.S.? I don't know. Why? Because of all the soul food.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> very, very pleased with myself. Thank you. Did you hear that Azkaban is now open for visitors? No, I didn't. Yeah, you can take a Dementor. How
0: dare you? Oh, my God. And we both had Dementor-related jokes? We're
1: really syncing up here. We're
0: vibing.
1: We're cycling
0: together. We're cycling <laughs> <laughs> Okay. First of all, that is not a thing. It's a myth. That is a myth. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is so weird. We, like, really... Okay. We are both still working from home. It is now August. We've both been working from home since March.
1: We've never spent this much time together in our, in our 10 years of being together as we have the past four months, and we are losing it. Things are starting to get weird. Things are getting really <laughs> strange. Getting really We're talking about big D's, <laughs> and cycling together, and it's very weird.
0: Okay. Well, you know, Order of the Phoenix, off the cuff, first impressions, go.
1: Love it. Yeah? I like the momentum. I like the tone. It's not screwing around. We didn't get this, like, oh, by the way, Harry's this boy. We don't get this crappy recap of everything that's happened up into this point.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, we've got the wizarding world breaching the muggle world, which is always really fascinating to me. Yeah. We've got some changes in character. It's Mm -hmm. really interesting so far. And we've got this Petunia situation going on, which is really, really fascinating.
0: Oh, my God. I knew you were going to love that because I know you love those. Like, I mean, that is an out of nowhere moment. You do not see that coming as a reader. I love those. Oh, those are the best. Well, we will be back next week with one of my favorite chapters, the advance guard, And maybe more than that. I don't know how many chapters we're doing yet next week, but... Join our Discord server, send us your questions. We cannot wait to get further into this book. We
1: are just as excited as you yes. are, I promise. And once again, welcome, baby Michael from Arkansas.
0: Welcome, baby Michael, tiny newborn baby. Bye bye.
1: Salam.